Hello and welcome to the Get Spanish Football News Show. My name is Tommy Hay and I'm joined here by freelance European football journalist Rhys Tegwell. Uh, as we speak, Rhys, Barcelona just finished a spirited but nevertheless fruitless performance at the, the Parc de France against PSG. What a chance they had at the end of that first half with a messy penalty. Do you think that would have changed things? Certainly would have made things a lot a lot easier and a, uh, a lot more likely, I suppose. But um, yeah, this was a game that was gone in the first leg, really. Um, it was always going to take a minor miracle. It's happened before, but I couldn't see it happening tonight, really. No, although incredible goal for by Messi to to, to equalise there, um, and it was just it was you just had the feeling is like is this gonna is this gonna be a another amazing Barca versus PSG game? But it just it didn't really didn't really didn't really come together for them. So that's them out. Um, they're kind of looking for 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 victims in this one. Just on 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 the radio there and in the papers already, they're they're highlighting Dembele's performance in in the first half. That was pretty pretty harsh. I think the damage has has been done. But I was listening to Jordi Marti, who's my favourite Catalan radio host. He was so frustrated with Dembele's performance in the first half that he started calling him Vendele, which is Spanish for sell him. So <laughs> I don't know. Are they being overly harsh uh, on on Dembele? He has scored three goals in in twenty games, which isn't isn't the best form. No, I think it's one of those where, um, as we were talking about in the pre pod, um, I think that. Dembele has actually played well in this game and he has played well on a number of occasions this season but perhaps the stats don't don't tend to flatter it yeah that's that's it he's, he's been good to watch and stuff like that I think the the common consensus is that he's been putting in good performances but if you do look at the stats yeah three goals two assists in 20 games it's not exactly setting the header on fire but I do think calls for him to be sold are a bit probably a wee bit um wee bit exaggerated so uh, and as you say, I think the damage was was probably done in the in the first half. So that's them out. Um, let's start with the probably the biggest off the field news since the last time you and I were here speaking together, which is the the Barcelona elections. As expected, Joan Laporta won there, become president for, uh, of the club for the second time. Not much of a surprise ultimately. This was it, Rhys? No, it wasn't really. Um, I mean. He promised change, as as did Font, where Fraser um, was the only candidate that promised continuity, really, uh, proposing to keep Kumar um, and sensible from a financial perspective, I suppose. But um, yeah, an overwhelming majority win for, for Laporta. And um, I think a lot of fans are, are genuinely excited to have him back. Yeah, he was definitely the most exciting candidate. I think Freysha was running on a he was running on that platform of common sense, and that doesn't really sell too well at a, a football club. It does maybe in politics, but at a football club, it's not a very attractive option that uh, that, that he was selling there. So I think it, it, he's the one that the fans that the fans wanted, and he. Um, he said that the the fact that the players were able to come down and vote in person was a celebration of of democracy, as he put it. And he, he described these elections as the most important in the history of the club. Do you think there was a greater sense of importance around these elections in terms of how the fans were feeling about them? I think so, yeah, because these are some of the toughest years the club has faced in, in modern times and the financial difficulties surrounding the club have never been greater than now. Um, and what with the, in the backdrop of what's going on in, in the world and the, and the financial implications of that, um, this was a, a real chance really for supporters to have their say as they do and um, to, to get it right. And I think that they think that they've, they've got it right. Although, um, as we were speaking about the celebrations with Laporta, 
Um, it seems like COVID just disappeared for a short time. Yeah, it wasn't the most socially distant celebration, you like to say. Probably <laughs> probably about 30 or 40 people packed into what looked like a, some kind of boot room at the end of the thing, spraying champagne about, or maybe it was cava. I don't know. I don't know what they were drinking, but yeah, it did not look very sanitary really but there was a lot of excitement he's an exciting candidate he's got them out of a hole before i think that's how the, the way that they see it they think of the the, the post gaspar years where, where laporta came in when they were in pretty dire financial situation as well and he brought some years of real enjoyment to the club so he's definitely fondly remembered there's a different context that he's coming into uh, now as you say and it'll be interesting to see to see how he gets on um Without going into too many details, what what kind of what kind of things should do you think Barcelona fans should be encouraged by with Laporta? What do you think are maybe some of the good things that he could he could bring? I think the obvious one is Messi. Uh, of course, I think he will he will do his best um, and all he can to keep Messi. But ultimately, I think it will come down to what Messi wants. Really, um, there's only so much that Laporta can do in this. Um, but th- this one is certainly going to go down to the wire. Mm. Um, uh, and yeah, it will be really interesting to see how it goes. But I think for many, why they chose Laporta is because they're looking back to those better times, those better days at the club. And these are really some dark days for the club. And I think many just want to get back there. He's a tried and tested guy. And yes, he fell out with some people along the way. But I think you can look at his tenure as a whole and view it as, as relatively successful. Um, given all the struggles he faced along the way as well, that 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 that's fair. I think probably if if you listen to the way I was talking about it before, you'd maybe think that you're some kind of like loose cannon romantic uh, <laughs> candidate. But he he is tried and tested. He has been there before, and he he really, you know, he's he's stable in that sense. Uh, so I think that's a I think that's a pretty good point. Do you think of the three candidates, Laporta is maybe? the closest to Messi given that experience that he had with him before? I think so, yes. Uh, obviously, he's been in and around him before and I think if anyone's going to be able to do it, it's going to be uh, Laporta. But I think that if fans were going to have any questions around him, I think it's supposed that obviously Laporta's got limited powers in terms of the financial situation at the club has never been as severe as this. And so there's a limit to who, who else he could bring in, even if he keeps Messi or he doesn't. Um, there's a limit to, you know, what sort of signings can be brought in. That's it. Well, when he was asked to comment on the future of Messi at the club, he said that Messi coming to the stadium to vote with his son uh, is proof that of just how much he, he loves the club. It is true. It's the first time he'd, he'd ever done that. But it was obviously a, an interesting gesture. Messi and, and a few other players came down to vote. So I think possibly more than reflecting how much he loves the club, I think it, it reflects just how important uh, these elections were in, in terms of the, the direction that the club's going in. Um, last question on this. Given how badly the Champions League tie has gone for them against PSG, is the league now maybe the new on-field target to have any hope of ensuring that he stays? Like, how how big is the the league campaign now in selling Messi, perhaps like a, a kind of footballing project, if if you like? How, how big do you think that'll be? I think yeah, I think the whole situation with Messi doesn't revolve around so much how the club are doing, though. I think it's all the off-field problems surrounding it. I mean, what's going on on the field doesn't help, but. Everything that's gone off of it has only just exaggerated that. But of course, if they win the league, then and now they've got a new president coming as well, things starting to look a, bit, a little bit better around there. And of course, they're in the Copa del Rey final um, well. against uh, Athletic uh, in April. So another chance to get some silver going on there. 
That's it. It's, it seemed a long way off, but there could potentially be some kind of feel-good factor on the horizon. Uh, Barcelona, we'll, we'll, we'll wait to see if that happens. Um, you mentioned uh, Athletic. Now, Athletic looked like they'd given a, a Atletico a real shock tonight uh, at the at the Wanda. In the end, they managed to, to turn it around with the help of Llorente and Suarez. So so often, these guys are, are bailing them out. Robbie Dunn was on Twitter there mentioning that it was Llorente's 10th goal of the season. Fourth with his, he's, He scored four with his right, he scored five with his left, and uh, this is his first header as well. So he's having a, a cracking season following on from uh, from the last one that he had. And Suarez as well, he's, uh, he's doing the job. What did you make of this game tonight? How important was it? Incredibly important. I mean, things got really interesting early on. Uh, they went behind when Munayin scored. Um, and you thought, oh, we've really got a game on our hands. And we certainly did. Uh, Felix coming for Correa, um, different to, to the derby. And they went for 4-4-2 rather than the 4-1-4-1 formation that we saw at the weekend. Um, but in the first half, they were, they were really quite bad, actually. Um, Suarez looked pretty isolated up front. And until they had that chance just before the end of the first half when Urente got them a goal back. Um, yeah, it was really looking quite bleak. But then they responded well in the second half. They get an early penalty. And then after that, they start, as the minutes tick by, they start to slowly and slowly shut up shop. Mm. Um, and there were times when you were thinking, oh, not again. Like it looked as if they could let it slip again. Um, but Athletic couldn't capitalize on their chances and, and they held on. Of course, now there's a six-point gap at the top and the title race, I think, is still very much on. Yeah, possibly an element of fatigue there as well with Athletic. Uh, the the fact that they did go to extra time against Levante and things like that, they, they maybe weren't going to be going all out uh, at the end or maybe unable to go all out in the way they would uh, perhaps normally be able to. You mentioned there was a bit of a, an attacking concern in the, in the first half that Suarez looked a bit isolated at times. Daniel and I were discussing the concerns about Atletico's performance of late from a defensive point of view. Uh, when he was on the show last week. How do you think they did on Sunday and tonight in, in terms of uh, their defence? It's two more games without a clean sheet. I suppose you could look at it that way. How do you think they're they're getting on defensively? Well, of course, on Sunday, uh, Trippier re- returned to the side um, and he did really good, actually. It was a welcome return because I think they've really missed him. Not so much because he's a star player as such, but he's just so crucial to how they work and, and function as a team. And it also meant that Llorente was able to, to return to a more familiar role in the centre of midfield rather than the slightly odd right-back position that we've seen him in at times. Yeah, that's that's it. It was it looked like a, a proper kind of athletical formation and it was great to see Trippier back. We were obviously kind of unsure about how he was going to get on in terms of the physical demands of the game, but he didn't really look out of place at all. He didn't look off the pace. So it was a it was a good derby for me. Do you think it lived up to expectations as a as a spectacle? Yeah, I think it was a really good game, and I think Atleti were were brilliant for the most part. Um, obviously, they took the lead early on, which which really helped. Um, but again, they got deeper and deeper as the game went on, and That's this it. is not the the Atleti side of 2014 uh, when they had Godin. Obviously, Jimenez is still there, but he wasn't playing. Uh, you know, Felipe Luis, Juan Fran, Gabi. Interestingly, tonight's game. Koke was the only starter from uh, tonight. Koke is the only player who was in the 2014 title winning squad in the lineup. So, yeah, there's, I think when they was defending like that towards the end of the game, you're going to need a certain amount of luck to work in your favour. And there's only so long that you can keep a Madrid side with the, the attacking threat that they've got out for like that. 
But of course, there was a lot at stake, so you can't blame them for playing like that. No, but it was fairly kind of white knuckle to in the last twenty. It was about the last twenty minutes, really. It was you know they were really like they were kind of hanging on almost, you know. And it was um, they they'd managed to play so much of the game not doing that, so it was a bit a bit kind of strange and disappointing, probably from an Atletico supporters' point of view that they that they to to know that that's still maybe a bit of an issue. Uh, for them, the real winner at the weekend is has been pointed out is, is probably Barca because they're they're chipping away at the league. Um, would you agree with that? They're, they're, they've been the most happy with the result out of the three teams. Definitely, some people were saying that you know they would prefer a, a, a Real Madrid win, um, and it, it was the first time in in the history of the football club that they've cheered that they've cheered on Real Madrid <laughs> to win a match. But um, I think they'll be happy of a draw. Because it doesn't mean that either of their, their two rivals around them gain points. And of course, tonight's win, the gap's been extended to six points. But this certainly isn't over. I mean, Atleti has still got to play Barcelona. Barcelona, to win that game, they cut the gap to three points. There's still, if you take that game out of the equation, there's still another 11 matches. And I can't see Atleti going the full 11 games, taking maximum points. So I think there's points still going to be dropped along the way. And I think this is far from over. That's it. Very much alive. Very much alive. Okay, well, we're going to move on to the battle for European places now. Now, since the last time that we spoke, Betis have leapfrogged Villarreal. Uh, they've had four wins on the bounce after that victory against Alaves. Villarreal, on the other hand, looking a bit like they're in free fall after three losses in the last four. Before we talk about how fantastic Betis are and just how wonderful the situation is there, what the hell is going on at Villarreal? What's what's happened in the last four games? Uh, an awful lot, I suspect. <laughs> but um, yeah, on Friday night, you had these two goals in, in five minutes, including an, a 90 plus one winner from Gonzalo Gedge, uh in the Valencia derby. Um, and I think Emery is under some immense pressure now, actually, without a win in eight. They've slipped out of the European places, down in seventh. They're five points off of Betis now. Um, and turning wins, turning draws into wins has been one of the big problems. They've drawn half of their games in the league this season. Um, and seemingly their saving grace at the moment has been the Europa League. Of course, they had that brilliant win over Salzburg in, in the last 16. They go to Kiev on, on Thursday in the Europa League. But even that has been a bit of a double-edged sword because they're travelling halfway around Europe playing all these games and perhaps that's having implications on their, their league form. Yes, I think it's a pretty good point. I suppose the hope is that any success that they, they can forge in Europe is could potentially revitalise the league campaign. Um, do you think too much, too much damage might have been done just in the last few weeks though? I mean, it looks like they've really fallen away from uh, as, as challengers for... Uh, for for a, a top European place? I think it's going to definitely be very hard to salvage now, as, as we said, five points. Um, and again, it's not going to be easier because they've already got at least two more games um, against Kiev. And if they progress even further in that competition, on Thursday night, as I mentioned, they're going to Kiev. I mean, Ukraine's not around the corner. They've got to go to Ukraine. They've got to come back and play a game a few days later. Then they've got to play Kiev again. It's, it, yeah, it's never ending. The fixture congestion list has been worse than ever this year. Um, and unless you've got a massive squad, um, then these things catch up on you. That's it. Yeah, but it's a, it's a difficult one. The, the good thing that Emery has done, I think, is that he hasn't taken the Jose Borda last route and questioned the character of his players or the, or the kind of 
the the Tim Sherwood uh, uh, Spurs and question the mentality of his players or their commitment or anything like that. He's actually there's there's a kind of, there's a certain level of kind of serenity when he talks and amongst all the, all this stuff. He said we can't avoid asking ourselves why this bad run's happening. We've analysed it and we've spoken about the things that we have to improve. I think it's important though to talk about the character of this team. We know that in that aspect we've we've done things right. So he's he's very kind of focused on keeping it, you know, have a look at our our poor results in terms of football. Maybe we're not doing the odd thing right. But certainly in terms of the character of the team and the, the attitude that they have going into these games, there's, there's absolutely no problem. So I think it's good from their point of view to have a manager that's that calm, but it's just not a good run for them. And it, it's kind of difficult to see. So we'll see if um, if that European form, should it should it be good in this uh, against Kiev and should they should they progress? We'll see if that can translate into getting things back on track in the league. Um, Betis, now let's let's move on to them they, they by contrast have been really impressive four consecutive wins after that victory over Alaves an incredible comeback as well after going two goals down in the first 20 minutes what did you make of this game? Incredible um, and Iglesias pulled one back obviously they got 2-0 down Iglesias pulls a goal back and then who else but 39 year old Joaquin equalises in the 82nd minute and then substitute substitute Iglesias by the way um wins it with two minutes to go. And we've spoken about it before. He's, he's not had the easiest time uh, in Seville at, for Betis, but he's now scored seven in his last six games. So he's finding that that form that perhaps they would have expected when they signed him. That's it. It's great to see him doing well because he's he's one of these very, very likeable people, Borja Iglesias, and uh, it was difficult to see him struggling so much last season. It just, just wasn't working for him. I don't think the change of manager helped him very much and it was probably taking a lot of time for the new manager to give him the the confidence that he, he perhaps had under Ruby at Espanol that allowed him to play the, the way that he did. So, yeah, it's fantastic to see him getting a getting a brace. And as you mentioned, Joaquin Sanchez, he turns 40 this summer. Um, scored one of the best headers you'll see all season, I think. Like, so powerful. Canales whips in the, the cross, kind of hangs it in the air. And, and uh, Joaquin, is, he seems, it, it was Ronaldo-esque, I thought. <laughs> He's just up in the air. Powers it in with his neck muscles. Really, really good, right in the top corner. Uh, as I say, 40 years old in the summer. He, he attributes his uh, long playing career to the fact that he was breastfed until the age of seven. You get any any thoughts on that, Reese? <laughs> um, yeah, not not so sure about that. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's it's great to see him to see him go on. I hope he just long may it continue. Um, as yeah, as well, of course, he's he's turning forty in the summer. But there is actually a player in in Japan goes by the name of King Kazu, playing in the Japanese top flight, and he's actually fifty four. So oh, he's got a long way to go before he he catches up with him. How old is Stanley Matthews play for? Did he not play until he was about? I think he played until he was in his fifties as well. He was like he was old. Um, he said he only drank once. He drank champagne at the FA Cup. So it was the only thing he drank. <laughs> and he also, he didn't eat every Monday. So every Monday he fasted. Just completely just didn't didn't eat. He said that was part of the reason. See, these again seem kind of more sort of logical things. You know, don't drink. Uh, maybe try, you know, try stuff with your diet. Again, just, I don't know. But, but Joaquin's things worked, obviously, for, for him. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we to judge? Um, we've kind of got to talk about Dortmund and... In Sevilla, it was just a little bit disappointing. I think they made a real a real go of it, but perhaps the the damage was was done in the first leg. Um, what did you make of this game? 
Yeah, I mean, Holland stole the, stole the show once more, scored twice. Um, really controversial second goal, um, crazy VAR incident. We don't really want to get into too much of VAR, but this was just another, um, yeah, really ridiculous outburst. He had scored, but then the goal got ruled out. But then the ref rewards a penalty for a foul on him in that goal mm. about a minute before um, in the build-up. Then he takes the, lines up for the penalty, misses that. Then VAR rules that Bono's come off his line before he's kicked it. We have a retake and then he scores again. Um, yeah, and it, re- it looked over after that. But Enaziri, um, there again, two goals last night. Um, but it was too little, too late. And as you mentioned, the damage really had been done in the, in the first leg. In the first leg, yeah. That that I know there are enough um, there are enough VAR debates out there, but it was pretty ridiculous that that second goal of Holland. Pressure on Lopetegui now, you think? You, you were talking about this before the show, like just it's, it's not been a good run uh, just of late and they were looking so good just a, just a matter of weeks ago, but just a, a few big results, the Copa del Rey springs to mind, this being out of the Champions League as well. Is he under any kind of pressure now? I think he is because, as you mentioned, that incredible run, um, before that first leg defeat, they had lost just once in 19 games. But since that, um, they've won just once in six and that came against Osasuna. Um, yeah, suddenly things are looking quite shaky there. I'm, I'm not not really sure what's behind that. Um, it could be the fixture congestion again because they they've played more than most teams in Spain uh, of late. Um, but of course, if they lose the, the Seville derby, which we'll talk, come on to talk about later at the weekend, then I think suddenly the pressure will be mounting on them. It's crazy how quickly things do change in this game. Yeah, that's it. I think the yeah the constant stream of games as well allows more time for scrutiny and more things to go wrong as well as to to go well. So, do you would you if you had to put your money on it, would you realistically say he was under any kind of pressure though? I mean, I I'm not I wouldn't be entirely convinced by that. I think Monchi's a Monchi and the people that are in charge at Sevilla, I think they're they've kind of got their head screwed on with this. I think Lopetegui's shown himself to be a good manager. He's got the team playing well. Um, yeah, it has had them playing well for the last two seasons. They look incredibly organised as well, which is something that I think the fans would value. Um, I, I don't know. I think they would be a bit. I'd be very surprised if he was to go anywhere. Yeah, certainly not how it's going now. I think a lot of the pressure is coming from from the media. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the next few weeks go and whether they can recover. I'm sure they can. I mean, they've got a really good side and. As we've seen this season, for the most part, they've been brilliant. So I think it's just a minor blip. Yeah, I think they're still going pretty well in the league. So uh, moving on just into our, our, our last point before we get into the preview, Real Madrid versus Atalanta. It's coming up uh, next Tuesday. Um, looking ahead to that second leg, what do you would you foresee in this one? That Madrid obviously with the advantage after that, after what happened in the first leg away. Um, how do you see this one going? Yeah, of course, they didn't do things the easy way in Bergamo a fortnight ago. They were far from convincing against an Atalanta side. He played more than 70 minutes with 10 men. Um, but they got that all-important away goal four minutes from time. Wonderful strike from Ferland, um, Mondi. Um, and that away goal is obviously going to be crucial going into the second leg. I expect Atalanta to, to come out and have a go at Valdebebas, um, a ground where Madrid have, have been far from convincing in Europe this season. I think they'll soak up the play and, and the pressure and try and hit them on the counter-attack. They've got some dangerous players going forward. You know, Muriel and Zapata, Ilicic. 
Um, but I think ultimately uh, Real will go through, but it, it won't be easy. And I don't think Atalanta will go down with that fight. I think we're seeing that home advantage just really isn't playing into the to Madrid's hands um, this season. It doesn't really seem to matter. I mean, I suppose it's not their actual home ground. You know, they're playing at their training ground. You, you do have to remember that. But it's uh, they've had a few defeats there at home uh, this season. So I really think, you know, anything can happen. And it's Atalanta are, are that kind of team. How much do you think they've been missing Papu Gomez as a side this season? A lot, I think. I don't think things have been the same since the big bust up. Um, but you know that as crucial as as Gomez is to the team, um, they've still got a number of other dangerous players. But I think more and more than anything, it was just it was just crucial to how they functioned and, and worked as a, as a team. Um, but I said they've got they've got a, they're very much capable of causing a threat against against Real. I mean they've got this far. And I think, you know, if if Real, Real have an off day, then they'll be there to sneak in. Yeah, that's it. definitely one to watch. Um, are Madrid in the same boat as Real in the sense that they should now be perhaps focusing on the on the Champions League in in, in Europe uh, instead of instead of the league? Yeah, is the league gone for them? Do you think? Um, I think it's as good as gone, but I think they've got more uh, more of a fight than than Real. Uh, left in them um, but of course there's although they've been hit this season by so many injuries and, and coronavirus absences their squad is so big um, that I think they can balance both competitions quite well Yeah and Oliveira who are going to be affected by the odd away day to you know, somewhere like Ukraine and, and things like that I think it's yeah it's true it's um, they, they do have that kind of strength and depth in, uh, in the squad perhaps more than, than some other teams so um, okay, well, La Liga preview. Now, what are the, some of the games that are coming up this weekend that are catching your attention? Seville Derby, I think that's the probably the big one, the big obvious one, isn't it? Definitely, as we've spoken about, a little bit of pressure on, on Lopetegui to get a result. Um, Betis in fine form. Um, and of course, it's one of the biggest rivalries, if not the biggest rivalry in Spain, um, even though it won't be quite the same without fans. It will still be a great watch. That's going to be on Sunday, I believe, at 8 p.m. UK and 9 p.m. local uh, Spanish time. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, it's a amazingly significant derby. Would recommend everybody to read Colin Miller, uh, Colin Miller's book, the the Frying Pan of Spain. It talks all about the 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 derby and this the kind of significance of it. It's just it's a just it's an amazing derby. They call it El Gran Derby here, the the big derby. So it's. It's, it, it, it is up there in terms of fan culture. It's up there with uh, El Clasico in terms of ones that you should you should watch out for as a as a spectacle. Obviously, so much of that's been taken away with the absence of fans. But I still think it's a game you should always uh, you should always watch. There's been a few real classics down the year. The five three uh, at the San Juan one a couple of seasons ago when Betis won five three, absolute classic, and it's usually a good game. So yeah, you'd always you'd always uh, tell people to to watch out for that one. It's not the only derby this this weekend though. Friday night is the the real Valencia derby. I have to say, Levante versus uh, Valencia. The 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 game with Villarreal and, and Valencia is not quite a derby. Villarreal from Castellon and Valencia from Valencia City. So I think it's a big derby in terms of like the the football. Uh, the football and ability and the football standing of the teams over the recent years, but the real local derby, the one that really gets people in the city going, is this one this weekend, Levante versus um, 
versus Valencia. Valencia obviously looking to kind of secure their place in the league and Levante will be looking to bounce back from what happened against uh, Athletic Club, which was devastating for them because it would have been the, the first Copa del Rey final in their history. So both teams going um, going at it to try and prove something and also the added factor that it's a derby. So definitely one to watch as well. Any other games that jump out at you this weekend? I think uh, Hatafi and Atletico, that's Saturday. Um, because not only are they to go in the title race, seeing how that progresses again, everyone's got a watchful eye on game by game now, Simeone, how he lines up and what master plan he, he comes up with next. Um, but also Hatafe, and, and really not out of trouble yet. They're 15th on 27 points. They're only five points ab- above the relegation zone. So if, if they lose this and results don't go in their favour, they're going to be dragged right into the thick of it and it's not somewhere borderless. Um, needs to be really one of his job under threat at, at times this season. Not, not somewhere we we expect them to be just after the last few seasons. You know they 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 were within touching distance of the Champions League for consecutive seasons, and to see them so far down, it's you know it's it's a shame for them. But things definitely not going well uh, for for Bordalas at, at Getafe. Um, any other games that, that jump out at you just before we finish? I think that uh, Real Madrid and, and Elche could be a good one. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, Real, it'll be interesting to see what, what team they put out ahead of the Champions League second leg. And Elche, of course, have got so much to play for in terms of their, their status in the division. Um, even though they do have a game in hand on, on the teams around them, um, I'll be interested to see how they set up, whether they go for it, because it's pretty much a free game for them. So they might as well. Um, yeah. Go out and give it a go. Yeah, free hit. Yeah, free hit. Why not? <laughs> and of, of of course, they're coming off the back of that fantastic win against Sevilla. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they'll be full of confidence. Okay, well, that's a, a fair few picks. Um, that's all we've got time for for this week. Thanks for joining us as always. And we'd like to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Get Spanish Football News, and you can also visit our website at Get Football News Spain for all the latest on what's happening in Spanish football. Thanks again, Reese, for joining us as always. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks, and thank you all at home for joining us. And we'll see you again next week. Adios. <laughs>